Cradeline Network. Borat Dog Ripplets. Oh, good lord. My name is... Yeah, that's right. My name is Connor Phillips, Everett Fox. It's the 224th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast for two Americans here to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for July and August 1990, Prague 688 to 691. This time... Judge Dredd is up a creek with a paddle. The <laughs> Harlem heroes are making strange alliances. Medivac is going even deeper undercover. Dry Run debuts and gets weird. And the Horde God returns for some badass battles. Listen, Conrad. Guess who just got back today? It's them wild-eyed boys that had been away. Haven't changed that much to say. But man, I think them cats are crazy. The Celts are back in town again. <laughs> um, <laughs> Your boys you are back. <laughs> if you want to read along, we should find the comics we're covering today and Judge Red the Complete Case Files 14, Slain the Horn God, and the Judge Red Magazine number 358. Remember all and, those? Oh, please. Oh, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, you'll have to excuse us because we're get. I, I know this is our first episode we've recorded after the Star Lordathon, folks, just to give you a sense of where our timelines are. So this might be a slightly giddier episode as I'm trying to get my feet back under me for what the hell's going on in 2000 AD. And also because- real in Fox. Well, I'm just saying that recapping 24 Star Lords may have wiped a lot of my recent 2080 memory. You know, I'm sort of I'm getting back to this to this Netflix show after I spent a week camping or something like that. So it's hard to remember what's going just, on in season three of whatever. We just got to do like a like a light recap. But for instance, like remember all those sweet Thin Lizzy musics that they did? Thin Lizzy, the rock band. Okay. They did. Uh... Anyway, let's let's restart from Prague One. No, uh, instead, oh God, no, let's please start. Don't. God, Lord, no. Let's Never. start with Thrill One, Judge Dread. Oh man, uh, that's so much. Yeah, script robot John Wagner, art robot Carlos Escara, letting robot Tom Frame. In the ruins of Mega City One, now an Acropolis controlled by the avatars of death. Judge Cadet Giant and his and his cadet buddies make a break for it. I like how they spent enough time for all of like the judge vehicles that have now been taken over to spray paint them all black. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're sort of on the road there, to be honest. Well, like, I mean, we see it in a couple of other places. I just really respect, you know, if you're going to do some yeah. branding for, you know, say, living being sin, make sure that, uh, you know, you're putting it everywhere. Yeah, you had a skull motif. It's good times. Um, wow. So they're trying to get to the uh, safety of the Undercity. And like you said, dodging their own former teachers and fellow judges to make, to, to, to do so. Um, G- Giant ends up killing a judge. When and then everyone just after. flips out like a bunch of fucking kids because they're all kids. And this is the yeah. Goonies, but with guns. <laughs> yeah, they they give him a hard time. And he's like, listen, like this guy has uh, fallen to the sisters and we got to worry about surviving so we can't be sort of pretty about who, you know, shooting to kill and stuff like that because these guys will not give us that same mercy. Listen, this is episode two, three, 
The one where old guy becomes bad Sith because reasons. Gotta shoot him. Yoda him. Lightsaber. I Fair don't know. I don't know anything about Star Wars. I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm, it, it, I'm trying to piece it together from your lack of knowledge, and it's, and it's difficult. But um, <laughs> uh, um, they, a, as they're making their way, uh, the bridge is out, and they have to climb down using like a, the, these cables and stuff. The whole time dodging H wagons with searchlights. Man, uh, one of the I cadets along the way gets shot, and a vehicle hovers near them from inside. Oh beams down a figure, Judge Mortis. He does it in the most epic possible way. Because when you beam down from something, you could just I mean, like yeah. float down, or you could have a circular portion of the craft. Uh, uh, kind of disconnect, yeah, like, like and you're standing lower on it. from beneath you. Oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. so epic. It's, it's not a beam down; it's more of a float down. But I, <sighs> you know, I stand by my stuff. Definitely could have like a like a duel of the fates going on here, just as the uh, the horror I mean, that, that he, one of the one of the big dogs is showing up and he's coming after you. He does have the higher ground in this case. What with the float yeah. disc. <laughs> We know that, of course, Judge Mortis is the bony, dark judge with a horse skull for a head. And him showing up to yell at our guys is bad news for sure. I'm loving all of the puns upcoming. Like the physical comedy that's about to ensue is great. (laughs) Yeah, pretty good. The cadets open fire on Mortis, but as usual, it has no effects. And this is a nice chance for Mortis to shine, I think. Like he's yeah. uh, I think he's the, the dark judge with the least distinctive power, you know? It, like, well, isn't he kinda like plague based? Yeah, he'll sorta he'll sort of suck the essence of life out of you and stuff, but that's that's less flashy than say Judge Death, who of course is just, you know, he's the main guy, and then fires, of the course, burn everybody up with his flaming trident. Oh, and, and fear opens up his helmet in a weird way and you kinda have a aneurysm, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get scared to death unless you're dread and he just punches you right through the through the helmet. I mean, this um, guy does a soft touch and makes you do a gooey. I'm into that. I'm just saying Make that, yeah, I like, I, just, I like a chance for him to do his thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's, he's like the lesser of the four, but he's still got his thing going on. He's sort of the George Harrison of the of the trio, wow. to be honest. Um, wow, deep he cut. Uses power, yeah, he uses his power to depress some of the cadets and try to entrance them in his power. And this seems to work until Giant literally blows the judge's head off with a high X round. This was the best part. Because the first thing I saw, because I didn't look at the bottom of the page at this point, I was like, oh, please put back on your head. Please put back on your head. Conrad, I did. what does he do? <laughs> Puts that head back on. <laughs> yeah, they go to run. But, if, you know, Mortis, again, can't be Caleb. just gets back up, reattaches his skull. The kids go through, though. Uh, we see them run into a nearby city block. They pass groups of dead and dying citizens oh. and then arrive at the sub-basement of the Undercity. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. To a Scrooge McDuck-style dumping yeah. ground of bodies. Yeah, it's been used as a burial heap, so the whole place is full of corpses. So they got to start shifting them to find the way out. Uh, the kid who's been helping them eats a ration bar among the among the dead as other cadets move bodies around. They've managed to get the door open and are climbing down as Mortis arri- rots away the door leading into the system. And the kid, Julio, feels the decaying touch 
of the Dark Judge. He killed that kid. So there were two parts of this that I loved, which is that Julio was helping them the whole time and everyone was just sort of mm. dismissing him. But clearly he was emaciated. Yeah. So as soon as people start like pulling off bodies to find the hatch, he's like, fuck you. Give me that food right now. I'm so hungry. And because of his greed, it, like he's the thing that we see get super melted by uh, yeah. for, uh, like Mortis. But by Mortis, yeah. I really like just that um, so they good. show him killing this kid for sure. Like that, <laughs> like like even even more so than killing one of your own guys. Like killing a kid just does a really good job of establishing your evil bona fides. And I think that's always important for I these mean, guys. I, you know, it, it was the weakness of Poltergeist, uh, but the, the strength of uh, um, Christ. What's the other movie? Uh, Exorcist? Yeah, the strength of the Exorcist, but the weakness of Poltergeist. There we go. Okay, I don't know. If, did, did, did they kill a kid in the Exorcist? I just thought the kid got, no, they, got possessed. The kid, yeah, but the kid got gross. Whereas in the Poltergeist, yeah, yeah. it's like the kid got disappeared, you know? Yeah, I mean, I just I just like, even though it's sort of a, a throwaway kid, I just, I, I, I appreciate the willingness exactly. to take these kids out. You, know? you gotta make Always them a good 2000 AD. Always a good 2000 AD trope. They will kill these kids. Um, <laughs> well, you've got to kill these kids. I think we've been saying uh, Star, since Star Lord. Star Lordathon callback, yeah. So Judge Mortis is after him, but gets blasted in the face by the by a grenade, which is pretty awesome. And oh, it brings the whole ceiling right. down, which sort of seals off the area, and they're basically safe. But still lost in the Undercity, for the record. I, I love that the defense against them is just blow up a thing so that they can't goop through. Yeah. Pretty you know, good. You, like, because they can't be killed, it's very much you have to uh, make them like be comp be difficult enough that they find other targets, basically, these don't, dark judges. Don't they have a teleporter thing? I mean, they had one. They had them. I don't think they have them right now. For a reason. Like, That's fine. Plot reason. I mean, they'd have to find a way to build them, basically. Eh, whatever. But it seems like they don't. That's why, like, um, like the portable ones, like, that's why... Um, uh, don't do uh, the gymnastics. I, I literally like, just like brought it up to Like, nausea and paranoia have to do all this, like, mystical oh. shit to summon them and stuff like that, because they don't have dimension hoppers anymore. I mean, listen, man, they built a necropolis. They don't... <sighs> I'm yeah, not like I. I I I I wonder if those D hoppers were like stolen from someone else that like came Ooh. to their dimension by accident or something like that. I mean, their we'll judgment find out is death. Dead world. And also, give me that sweet dimension. <laughs> yeah, well, they got to take their message to other other realities, you know. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, also in the Undercity, Judge Dredd and Chief Ju and former Chief Judge Magruder are floating down. An underground river and a raft made out of a converted bathtub. So this this wasn't from last time, right? They they're just in this suddenly. Yeah, we kind of cut from. Okay, good. I I thought from like, when did Ma they get this? Magruder and, they didn't and Dread remember. on the edge of the walls. Yeah, no, they sort of did, did all this stuff off screen, basically. That's cool. Also, I love that it's basically a riverboat tub. Definitely. Yeah, they're making their way um, when suddenly Dredd gets an image in his head of vo there's a voice and strange figures carrying someone. And then he understands. I mean, as we lady no, face sorry, at the bottom, right? Who is that? Indeed. As the cadets make their way through an ancient subway station, dodging troggies in the corners of their eyes. When suddenly one of the cadets, Eckerson, who I believe is a side judge, here gets a flash. Well, because what I love is that no one realizes that she's a side. They're like, what the fuck is wrong with her? She's being real weird. And I'm like, well, yeah, but she's a side. Also not wearing a helmet. 
that's probably why, you know. But um, yeah, so she hears a voice. It it uh it knows her name, and the other cadet says she's going crazy, but she's convinced, and she has to find the source of the voice. She walks off. The other cadets reluctantly following, because everyone's just kind of even. Uh, uh, giant is like, dude, it's it's the sisters. Like, don't go there. Don't do this thing. But she's very sure that it's pure. Like, ah, it's. I've got more to say at the end of this, but it was an awesome moment. Definitely. Yeah. Eckerson soon leads other cadets, uh, leads the other cadets to a bunch of of a troggy swarming over something. She pleads that it's the mysterious her they have to save. So Giant gets the Trogi's attention with the high axe and the cadets (laughs) sort of run them off, basically. They don't kill them or anything. They sort of fire fire rounds at their feet and make them run away, essentially. Giant calls it out. He's like, don't kill anybody. Don't waste your bullets. Just give them a spook. Yeah. They find an unconscious figure lying where the Trogs were. It's Judge Anderson! Oh, snap. Dread realizes this, too, cause, and she's sending him a psychic message. You know, Nat, she's the, she's the only one with the knowledge that could get us out of this mess. I mean, she knows more about the Dark Judges than anyone. Good thing that we kind of found her, right? Seriously. Um but the river, but um, the river judges find that that uh, that the going is rough. There's um, but but eventually where they are opens up to a sm- um, from a small tunnel to a large cavern of uh, massive ruins. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, big yeah. smelly. Finally back again after what like twenty years? Um, I want to say like ten years. Yeah, like I want to say I think I think Judge Judge Cal was in like seventy nine or something like that. Um, so that, and that's when we were last here to recruit Fergie to Hell yeah. you know fight back. A man with a statue because of how important he was flies and all statues all over the city. Yeah, hell yeah. The, uh, the trogs start to pelt the judges with spears and arrows, but a few gunshots see them off. They clamor onto a motorboat, which is cool. They're sort of upgrading here, though they have no idea where they're going. Um, Dread is banking on a little help in that department from psychic powers and so forth. Next time, messing about in boats, which is a Wind in the Willows quote. I have never read that book or poem. Wind of the Willows book. book. Yeah, I mean, I I mostly know it from the uh, from the cartoons and stuff. Never watched those either. No, not even like Mister Toad's Wild Ride or whatever. I I have seen how do you have the how do you not have the context for that important disneyland ride friend so so i have seen about 10 minutes of mr toad uh the only reason that i stopped watching it was it wasn't gummy bears and that was the age that i was they are bouncing here and then there and everywhere but i think (sighs) it's sort of i feel like um wind in the willows is a very english um cartoon or a or a a children's book i should say it's i think i think it's it's more adjacent of winnie the pooh right so if like winnie the pooh is sort of that canadian middle ground like mr toad i think winnie is is winnie the pooh is pretty english too actually just based on all those if i remember correctly it was that year where there were like three winnie the pooh movies in one year or whatever if if i remember correctly it was it was a canadian author who did it but i could be wrong about that like it it feels more uh, well whatever but we're getting in the weeds here so maybe yeah okay so address any winnie the pooh based connections to, to fox prove, that's what i'm trying to say me, i don't want to hear about prove it. me wrong internet uh <laughs> i don't want to hear about so, it guys. so the first <laughs> the address it to uh at uh, fox at uh, space not whatever no, dot d- net just don't just don't worry about it it's so, fine so right? <laughs> here's the first thing i love i love that both 
uh, the kid judges and the older judges, they don't, like, try to kill anyone in the Undercity first. The second is, I never knew I wanted a fascist Teen Titans until now. I want a fascist <laughs> Teen Titans. Like, I want, I want four kids as cadets as a spinoff comic in 2000 AD. I mean, it's actually nowadays, nowadays they kind of have that where they have these periodic, uh, what they call regened episodes, which um, or 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 regened progs, which are bit which are uh, marketed to a younger audience. But they're just sort of like a you know we'll get to them eventually, I guess. They're just sort mm-hmm. of like like they they like they had one maybe once like like they had two um, and and they were once a year, but this year in 2020 they're they're trying to roll out more of them. But within huh. those like uh, the the in those ones the the dread story is is cadet dread. So it's about uh. like a young white white helmet dread like doing stuff out in you know going on 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 uh, patrols assisted by other judges and stuff. See, I feel like, like that. that's it's the miss of like the the kind of like young Indiana Jones stories that like no one actually asked for. What I love about not to dismiss your point it was more of what i love about giant and these three others who are with him and the situation they're going through is just that i want to see more of their adventures if that makes sense like i think we'll get we 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 will get some more with these kids as as we go through uh, uh, necropolis for sure i like that a lot and i like i like that you feel giants kind of progression since we last saw him oh yeah definitely like we're definitely like yeah, sort of we're seeing Giant kind of become a little bit like more of a leader or something like that, like yeah. more of like like a steadfast dread esque kind of character here or something. Definitely, along I mean, those he's, lines. he's still trying to keep people together, right? Like he's yeah. so different, but also so similar. Like I, I feel that. I mean, a lot. yeah, he's definitely keeping it together. This is of very different from sort of the angry, withdrawn Giant mm. from the previous exactly. story we saw him in. Exactly. I think this kid kind of gets it in a different way. No tight boots, yeah. just a tight mind. Well, you know, I mean, when you're young, you don't need the tight boots yet. You've got the clarity of youth, buddy. I mean, shit, if they don't, like, give him the badge after this, I would be upset. Yeah. Hey, speaking of uh, teenagers fucking shit, fucking things up, Fox, <sighs> let's go to Thrill 2, Harlem Heroes. Do we have to? Because I'm just yes. going to keep asking why. Listen, you can do it as you can do it fast if you want. But uh, script robot Michael Fleischer, art robot Steve Dillon and Kev Walker, letting robot Bambos Georgiou. The new Harlem Heroes, Fox, they're wanted for killing the president and most of his cabinet. Mm-hmm. But the lone survivor of the attack sees them on the news and doesn't recognize their faces. They weren't the ones who did it. Why? They looked well, exactly like them. Well, because the like office was, was framing them up, I guess. But, but they, they got slight differences. Um, okay. Anyway, uh, Silver's being taken out, out on a hover truck to meet some gorillas or something. She's been blindfolded. But when she's identified as a member of the hero, she's untied and saluted. Welcome to the base. Welcome to base camp Anasazi, which, uh, mm. listen, buddy, the preferred term is ancestral Puebloan because Anasazi translates into uh, enemy ancestor in Navajo. It's one of those one of those words where, um, like, it's it's like where they like think where where, uh, co- where colonists think that the native word for that specific river is just their word for river. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I got or you. Or like. Like a leopard that's named that uh, 
where they think the the native name is uh, oh shit look out or something I, like I think that. It's a you know? literal misnomer, <laughs> like the actual definition of misnomer. Yeah, but you know, anyway, Anasazi not not preferred nomenclature here, and dude. not a Nazi, um, the dope ass spider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole. That's a that's a different continent, friend. Mm-hmm. That's a whole like whole other thing. Also, why uh, did they blindfold her? Why did they salute her? Because they don't. They don't. Well, they blindfolded her because they thought because the don't. the it's goons okay. from last episode thought she was just a random person who was killing was killing cops. So she might be on their side, but they don't want to give up the ghost about the location of their base. But then she gets unblindfolded and saluted when the boss of the base recognizes that she's one of those Harlem heroes who killed the president, who they hate because they sort of trying to overthrow the U.S. That, government. That train of logic will definitely not be true by the end of these. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, they're just <laughs> buying the office's cover story as much as anybody else. Anyway, Fair. meanwhile, in D.C., one of the office suits is outlining the plan to hunt down the heroes. But the bosses of the office, mustache and bow tie, say not to bother. <laughs> Those are great names. I'm saying what I see. The heroes can't hurt them. And they're probably better alive as boogeyman anyway. Mm. Silver's taken to the to the gorilla leader and she gasps as a couple of no good thugs uh, say things have been pretty easy since those heroes killed the president. and They teamed up with the office. The rest of the heroes are starting to almost get ready to maybe start looking for Silver when there's a knock on the door. It's Silver and some kind of punk goat guy. Why? We'll find out. Later at the bonfire, the goat, who I guess is some kind of scarecrow or effigy or something. Or next to it, I guess. Yeah, it's the centerpiece to this sort of event as one of the goons toasts the heroes as being a key part of their dream as of America too. Uh, Boogaloos are not mentioned. Uh, (laughs) America too. America, America, I, I. (laughs) The heroes aren't super okay with these guys, but there's there's nowhere else that they can hide, so they got to keep it cool. Um, Meanwhile, the assassination witness guy, Lawrence, is getting out of the hospital, and he's picked up by his wife and daughter. Um, He seems to be doing okay, but he's keeping his mouth shut about the identities of the heroes, and that's good because we see the offices, like, in the van, like, directly behind him, listening in on his conversations. And then let's watch him grill some stuff and definitely just give so much exposition to his wife. Yeah. So meanwhile, mustache and bow tie are watching some dude shoot targets and they're like super hard for this guy's shooting ability. Just FYI. They're wondering what's up with the heroes. And then, like you said, in the Lawrence backyard, the witness puts on a lot of background noise is outside (sighs) and grilling and stuff. And tells his wife that the heroes are innocent and he's conflicted about what to do with it. But his daughter overhears him and rats him out to Bowtie right away. Why? Because, like, you know, they, like, got to her and said, like, oh, you'd be serving your country if you tell us if your dad does anything wrong. Because it's like a dystopian future where kids rat out their parents. It you happened, know? like, two days ago or, like, a week ago. Listen, Fox. In the dystopian future, you'd rat your parents out in a heartbeat. Me too. I, right? I prefer the, I do it all it, right away. The equilibrium timeline is what I Yeah, we're going to destroy that art. Gun gonna, you know, some kid's going to listen to the freaking uh, Pokemon the movie original soundtrack and break down crying. It's going to be real awesome. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> 
Anyway, the information's routed to that dude that was shooting targets previously, and he's got these badass mechanical eyes. Whoa. <sighs> They're worse than the sunglasses, dude. Built-in sunglasses. Oh. Get your- <gasps> Built-in Jordy eyes. Because they got the little go get slits. Your, go get yourself some built-in sunglasses. Bam, 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 bam. Um, so Respect. the Lawrence house is under attack. It's the office. They must have heard me talking. Uh, Mrs. Lawrence gets just shot right through the chest. She's dead. Shot through the heart. Boom. And you're too late. You yeah. give this you give the office the bad a name. bad name. That's true. Um, they run to a, to a government-issued safe room to get out of there. <laughs> a government-issued. Um, yeah, he said, oh, I laughed when they offered to install this safe room in my house, but, but I'm glad I did now. But it's government-issued, and now they're the government. Yeah, but, like, you know, that still means you don't get the keys, I guess. Um, as the safe room door is burned away with thermite powder, the witness gives... <laughs> Uh, his daughter Kathleen, a backpack with various survival items in it, cash, and yeah, full on, tells her to go to New Mexico and find the Harlem Heroes. Also, and here's this button this- and definitely vote gray. I mean, yeah, take the this campaign button from the dead president to uh, as proof of something. I don't know. Dad, just because you believe in in uh, woolly something something politics. This is your parting gift to me. Well, I mean, it's the president. It's the button for the president that was assassinated. I guess. Gotta use and it somewhere. Like, listen, I don't remember Harlem Heroes. <laughs> it doesn't. You don't have to. I, I. But I would happily bet like five dollars that there's some sort of fucking microchip, and then they plug it into or, another thing, and then it magic some shit to happen. Yeah, if they don't some drop kind of, that plot. Some kind of magic MacGuffin in that in that button. I'll take that right. bet and five bucks says they just drop that plot. Button MacGuffin. MacGuffin button. All right. So anyway, <laughs> she gets out of there. Um, on the compound, the heroes discuss getting out of their current predicament, especially because it's only a matter of time before these dudes realize that they didn't actually kill the president and are not down with America the second. Sooner, <laughs> sooner is rather than later because there's a camera watching them have this conversation. Gotta check the nooks and crannies, man. It's it's like a delicious English muffin in there. You'd think they just got out of prison. They'd be used to this, but whatever. Um, later, a guard gets a throwing knife in the back, and the heroes, along with these gorilla guys, are breaking into some kind of base. I will say Lots. I appreciate the art of the knife going into the back of the neck, and, you know, it's good. I mean, I'll say, like, as much as I shit on the story of Harlem Heroes, oh, it looks like, great. you know, I... I love Steve Dillon and Kev Walker inking is doing a really good job. I mean, you know, like all of this makes it feel like a weird, like Steve Dillon's really doing his own thing here, which makes this all feel like a very dystopian couple of issues of Preacher or something like that. That's my main Steve Dillon touchstone. It feels Um, like a fever dream, which I want to keep going back to when I wake up. And I, I do, like, as much as I shit on them as well, I really appreciate his futuristic, like, er, like early 90s styles for all these people. Like, everybody's got oh, these very, please. like, like 1990 haircuts and suits that have been sort of futurized. And, like, kind nice. of like, like the 90s version of dystopia where things are, like, not that bad, but also bad government-wise, I guess. But also there's, yeah. like, dudes in the desert and it's fine. I mean, it's the same. It's a very yeah, like with sort of these dystopian corporations and stuff. Like, it's definitely got some cyberpunk elements in here. 
Um, I'm surprised we haven't met any any evil Japanese people yet. But I mean, I again, I don't know. I don't know what 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 could happen. Um, God damn so, it! Uh, <laughs> they're sneaking in. They're yeah, no, I'm not. I'm literally not. Like, I'm just feeling my way in in, in the oh, dark. Oh no, I, I'm there with you. I yeah. Anyway, yeah, they're car- as they're sneaking in. The gorillas are carrying the effigy of their commander, acting <laughs> like it's real and giving orders and stuff. They're here to steal some kind of tachyon drive plane. Uh, whatever. Some Star Trek words for a, a reason. Aerospace yeah. plane with a tachyon drive. Tachyons. Uh, okay. Those are light particles. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, C- Kathleen's aboard a different plane. I love inspecting her. the campaign badge her dad gave her. Yes. Yeah, I love her what, quail uh, plume in front of her head. That's oh, all. definitely. Yeah. She's got quite a hair. She, she's got like a very anime haircut. I must say, mm. like she could be the girl in an anime quite easily with that haircut. That's what I'm trying to say. Soon, daily. Soon, Harlem uh, heroes. Uh, Mag- Magnificent Suzaku adventure. Harlem Hero Son, don't know. Um, but Boy, yeah, dude. so, uh, oh God. Back at the base, the plane doesn't have any guards, and the commander scarecrow thing says in a robotic <laughs> voice that that means that there's ground <laughs> sensors here that have to be disabled. Why? So the commander must be some kind of robot or military AI or something. Military that sort of can- goat scarecrow? Well, yeah, they kind of have like, you know, it's like got, it's like a Siri, but they kind of put some junk on it to sort of like dress it up, you know? The gorillas go to go to disable – because that's cool, buddy. You can't just walk around with a Siri. <laughs> you know, the some most ga- fair reason that they could – You got like a like, like a Google Doc that's reading your revolution? I, no, man. You got to put like a skull and some earrings on that don't thing. Don't be right. Just hate. <laughs> Anyway, uh, the gorillas go to disable the sensors, and then when the heroes get the signal, they go to the plane. They go aboard, but it's swarming with guards. The AI like must have dudes. messed up. It was two yeah. dudes. There's some dudes. The AI must have messed up, or maybe it was setting them up. And that seems, and the latter seems likely, as these gorilla jerks are now in a watchtower and prepping a sweet rocket launcher to fire at the heroes. I mean, listen, if I was. Uh, an early adopter of the PlayStation, I would want that super sweet rocket launcher light gun. Definitely. Oh, man. Take me back. Um, mm-hmm. Next time on Harlem Heroes, shape up, ship out. Really missing out on goat puns in all of these, man. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I'm I'm bummed there isn't just a goat dude randomly. I, I would have I appreciated just here's their boss. It is a goat. Don't talk about it. That's exactly what I was hoping uh, in 688. And then in 689, I just didn't understand what was happening. I was like, okay, like, does he just have stubs for arms? Why does it look like wood? And then it was a clear effigy. And then yeah. everyone was just together. Like, it's just... Uh, <sighs> The reason yeah, I asked why me. so much was, the, was like, clearly there are things linking this this uh, comic together, but they're jumps that you have to make and not ones that they're like, here's what happened. <laughs> like, you just I feel fill like in I got a blanks. handle on Harlem Heroes for the record, but, like, uh, yeah, it's not the greatest. It's, I, it's not great. I mean, I know what's going on. It's more of that I know what's going on because of what happens between segments, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah, I mean... That that's fair. I would I would I would counter that this is not the hardest to follow no. story that we're seeing in the prog this episode. But it is the most indecisive. 
Mm, that's fair. Like, well, I mean, they're, they're clearly doing something, but man, they're taking their time and it's just like, okay. Well, but Good. also it may not matter. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, like I'm still waiting to, for us to check back in on that warden guy. Like he seemed to have a big, a real bee in his bonnet at the start of the story, but yeah, oh, he hasn't seen him in a right. while. He, the guy with the bad glasses. Yep. And then just like, you know, I like, <sighs> we're just not getting the full use out of all these Harlem heroes, you know? Like, One there's of definitely members of this crew. Like, Silver has done a ton of stuff, mm-hmm. but most of the rest of the crew has not really had a chance to sh- – like, several members of the crew have not had a chance to shine. Like, I feel like Patrice, who's the hacker, hasn't really had a chance to hack things very much. No, but Guy with instance. Headset once listened to the radio and heard that they killed the president, so – Yeah, the pilots definitely seem like the least essential guy. They got to put some vehicles in. He, I guess they, they have this plane, so maybe he'll get a chance to all, do some stuff next episode or something. All of them seem like the least essential. Silver is well, the one. I mean – She's just lucking into shit and is fine. Yeah, no. Silver, 100% top hero. I think everybody can agree on that at the moment, at least. But speaking of top hero of an entire age, Fox. Oh, my God. They explain England. (laughs) Thrill three, slain. Script robot Pat Mills, art robot Simon Bisley, letter robot Steve Potter, the horned god three. It has been too long and heads must roll. Let us see the holy weapons. Yeah, as always with these slains, we've got a title page that the comic itself is not sullied with logos and credits. Uh, this time, we, we've got a very orky-looking slain on the, oh, on, the I mean, on the credit page. Bisley kills this entire thing, man. Oh, yeah. No, listen. Bisley's bodying this comic right now. Definitely. He's doing great work. There are muscles last, where muscles yeah. were on muscles. That's beautiful. Definitely. At last, it's time for battle. All the tribes of the earth, goddess Danu, led by Audrey Slain, king of kings, go to fight. I love that it, the battles just look like a giant muscle party. Oh, yeah. Big muscle hustle. <laughs> Ukko, in his later days, in the time beyond time, the Eternal Fortress, is writing the narrative and gives a quick recap of the story so far. Uh, the battle starts. We get a rundown of the magical weapons on display. The screaming spear of oh, the sun flying around on its own, killing people by the dozen. The silver sword of the moon wielded by Slade's former lover, Neve, who's got just amazing back musculature here. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it is, uh, you know, you can have a deep V on the front. This is a massive V on the back. Like, if you're into this sort of thing, Neve will kick your ass. I mean, you gotta. Oh, when you, I'm into When it. you have a massive silver sword that cuts through all armor. Listen, I'm a large man, but would appreciate a larger woman that could carry me around. That seems pretty awesome. Anyway. <laughs> the um, cauldron, though, is one of my faves. Yeah. Well, now, and then finally, there's they, they, they don't talk about the stone, which I guess is sort of law. It doesn't have a lot of battlefield uses. But the last one's the, the cauldron of blood, which can be used to raise the dead as a sweet undead army fighting for you i I love how you see them just drop into a pit of things and then they just crawl up like the side of a toss them in set it in forget it then they crawl back out bisley's art masterful of course 
And this whole thing is just built like a full graphic novel, which mm. means that we don't have a ton of cliffhangers and recaps in the course of it. You know, you just kind of kind of got to grab on and go for the ride because it's fucking horn god time is the basic answer here. Observe. And then when you see something really awesome, there's a couple of words that explain that eye lasers just happen. Yeah. Uh, the credit. So we go to the next prog. The credit page is some flying ships. I think a reference to that Dutchman man slain story. The uh, the sky ships from way oh. back when. Oh, right. Sorry. Um, yeah, I like that one and had big battle scenes as well. Um, we see some more, like basically this is where we see sort of the uh, the graphic novel nature of it because there's sort of the first like 688 kind of ends mid description of the undead horde. So we kind of finish doing that in 689. Um we move on to these huge battle scenes. Oh, we learn yeah. about the Celts' undead army attacking the Sea Devils, um, and we—it's—it's it's hard for me to tell because I feel like we've seen Formorians before, and they've just been kind of shark men, but now they have kind of a mix of humans and a bunch of other races yeah. as well. But they definitely uh, the f- do more of the winged helmet look now. Yeah, they've—they've they've got a very Viking and like kind of a. I guess like traditional mm. um, villains of a, of a British folklore look. They're not I'd just say. riding around in giant skull ice caves eating people. I mean, I, I miss that, but yeah, mm-hmm. um, the the formers have power too. We see the laser eye of their uh, of their commander, who we've <sighs> we've seen him before w- w- with his laser eye. For I, the record, I love that laser eyes are a bad guy move in in kind of 2080 canon. Yeah, definitely, and they and they ride around these giant war boars as well, just kind of get let hey, loose. Hey, man, they can do a enemy. glamour on the animals, on the animals. Yeah. The battle is furious, and through it rides slain on a spike and bladed war chariot, stabbing his charioteer in the butt with a goad. Then, like <laughs> as he approaches the battle, he jumps forward and stands between the horses to scare everybody, lashing back and forth with his axe and stuff like that. But what no one realized, Fox, is that all this fighting on the frozen lake of the center oh, of what will eventually right. be the Irish Sea causes all that ice to melt. And we see in a giant like burst of ex- like explosion, basically, uh, Slane falls into the sea. So I love that Ucko is, is trying to explain and everybody just kind of ignores him. However. Yeah, yeah, he's... What comes of this is so fucking epic. Yeah, so we cut to a Fomorian party, and they're a very mixed bunch, actually. There's, like, regular human guys, green-eyed ladies with, like, very, like, tiger, with with green tiger stripes of various sizes on them. They're demons, man. Yeah, there's lizards and baboon dudes, lizard and baboon dudes. But one thing is certain, they love the taste of human tears. We've seen this before. Uh, One drinks some, and these ones have tequila worm style eyeballs floating in the bottom as well, which is pretty cool. Um, Gotta have your human eyes with your human tears. It's the only way to really spice it up. Yeah. They're, they're traveling around on a ski ship on the ice, like an ice with like a ship with runners that allow it to go along the ice and stuff. When suddenly a figure appears and it's a 100 percent, a, a, a 100% warped, full, incredible Hulk slain. His head's just a divot inside of his giant muscles. And he comes forward, hacks through these demons and the fights rejoined even as the ice breaks. Listen, he's like. I don't give a fuck that this is your Tobogan 
to boat bargain uh, to bargain boat yeah i <laughs> boat got bargain. you boat bargain he's, yeah he's gonna destroy the shit out of it <laughs> however my favorite image in the entirety of our episode today is not just him ripping through all these people that was awesome it is how uko is trying to describe it on scrolls <laughs> yeah yeah as uko's writing this his like style is almost as violent as the battle himself. Exactly. Just huge slashes of ink across paper and stuff like that. It's really he's like jumping around the room, writing it feverishly. But now, Fox, the battle is over and the catastrophe begins. So the credits page has that baboon guy and a goblin guy from Last Prague, like busily again just having fun. I think drawing a lot of really detailed armor and pieces of flair on them and things like that. Um, the sea demons, Fox, they've fled back to Tory Island and Slane's collecting brain balls, as you do. D- don't think of too many. When, <laughs> well, he never does. No. When his Lieutenant Mongan comes with bad news. Hey, man, great, listen, everything's fucked. Yeah. The Great Plain has been flooded. Tiernanog has become Tiernanbo, uh, the land of tears. Which basically means, hey, all of what used to not be flooded is now flooded. And by the way, it's now that there is England, I guess. That's my well, assumption. And Ireland, too. Oh, I course. mean, basically, like this whole place was ta- this whole thing was taking place in the Irish Sea, you know, between Ooh. Ireland and England. And right. the whole reason for the fight was that if we do this, then no the Earth Goddess won't won't flood our lands. Which but they they did fight, and she did flood their lands. And here's where we get some pretty essential Pat Mills talking about females in mythology stuff, where basically, Ooh. like the Earth Goddess is gonna fuck you over, buddy. She said she would at the first opportunity. <sighs> Mixed feelings, order, yeah. but I, it's I, gonna happen I do a lot. get it because there's a there's actually a lot of this in in mythos. Like, so I appreciate like female, it, but also like female characters that the main character trusts implicitly, then betraying that male character is a steady trope in Pat Mills's writing in this in in oh, this period. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like we're gonna we're, we're gonna see it quite a bit. I don't think it speaks too well to what uh, to what Mills' marriage it might have been like at this time. But let's talk more about it when we get to Finn here is what of I'm trying course. to say. Um, so uh, Slane orders the tribes to split and, re- and escort their various refugees to the high ground to the west in what is now Ireland. And then return to these banks in seven days for the muster and the final battle. But as they do... The evil sorceress Maeve in her chain pasties weaves a spell of fog and Slane's former lover Neve gets lost and then is the last person to arrive at the muster. So and as we know from, that, from book two, that means that she's got to be executed. So rough. And it, I love their whole exchange because she... I mean, I know that you're going to explain it, but she like pleads with him to do it and also tries to logic through their logic the reason they should. And you just kind of see them. It's it's real good. Yeah, it's so good. And and all of the art does the talking. 
Yeah, her her husband Rory tries to offer himself up in her place, but that that's apparently no good. And then Ucko appears just in time to offer to the goddess, eh? But dwarves don't count for this stuff. Nor do madmen like King Sengen, who's just come rolling up as well. We gotta kill this lady. That's just how it goes. You got no choice because like that the the magic and the customs demand it. <laughs> And if you don't do it, then and like magic and customs are the only thing keeping this force together. So if you want to keep the tribes united and be able to defeat the Lord <laughs> Weir and free ourselves from his brutal yoke, so Eve must be killed. All right. That's the only way to do it. There's a thousand reasons why. And the only reason not to is because you like, you know, banged her a couple times and have a son together. And that's not a good enough reason, buddy. Man, they, they just really do somersaults to just make that work out (laughs) um well no so i I, so what i really like about it is uh, i mean i don't we don't know if he does it because it's a cliffhanger yeah but i i love how everybody is just dtk we're down to murder this woman right now even her there's no choice yeah they're they're bound to do it and they know that it would things will be way worse for them if they don't like it's a big deal it's very um what you call it uh Fair wind for Troy kind of stuff going on here, oh, like yeah. where um, where Agamemnon has to sacrifice his daughter so they can uh, sail off to the Trojan War and stuff. Um, but yeah, Neve must be executed. She and Slain embrace, and Neve, who's been the most skeptical about the changes Slain's made to his life, yeah. declares that in doing this, he is the true Horn God. It, it's it's my it's my second favorite image of this whole thing is their embrace it, it was so good yeah. the the third by the way is um mave right mave yeah it, you see her in like the tiniest pocket just like staring out like between bones uh, and stone yeah no, uh, she's she's watching on in, in the distance for sure it's real crafty <laughs> Uh, she tells Slane that they'll meet again in the underworld, and she kneels down, and Slane begins to swing his mighty axe. Next time, the final battle. <sighs> Man, it just comes in and punches you in the face, and then just keeps punching you in the face. Uh, yeah. And what I love is that it, it commands so much attention, and that the first thing that you look at is the art, and then like kind of the the descriptive box you know what i mean mm-hmm. if you need the context because most of the time you just don't uh slain is just yeah, so it's well mostly done. there for mostly there for cleanup and the arts doing most of the heavy lifting Ooh. here i think it was so beautiful it's so good to have him back and also i don't know if he's gonna do it or not like it's 2000 ad so it's hard to in this situation it's hard to say yeah no, definitely. Hey, we'll find out next episode. That's going to be exciting. And speaking of uh, current progs, Fox, oh. non-thrills, covers, and nerve setters. I mean, we got a lot of good ones. Yeah. Prog 688, the Horn God Volume 3 starts this month, and Slain doesn't think that too many and doesn't think that too many as he kicks a ton of ass in this double-sized Simon Bisley cover. I, I love his giant medallion on his chest for reasons. Yeah, yeah, that symbol of the Earth Goddess, I think. In the Nerve Center, Thug announces Horn God 3, tells you to buy these graphic novels. 
There's a letter asking if Johnny Alpha will regrow his eyes because he healed from that Max Bubba tattoo. No, he's not going to. There's compliments for recent progs and weird Thargian sayings, plus pictures of a rogue duck and a very nice Judge Anderson against a cityscape. Is this duck like a reference? I think it's just sort of like a uh, Daffy Duck or Donald Duck or something like that. Got it. Just making sure it wasn't, you know. I don't know, Duckula, because I have less Duckula reference knowledge. I feel like if you're going to do Count Duckula, it's got to have a cape. That's my understanding of the the semiotics of that character. Um, Darkwing-esque. Yeah, although Darkwing Duck doesn't exist yet. We're about about a year or two away from the Disney afternoon becoming Mm. a thing. Um, Mid-Prog, there's another single-page thing-to-look-forward to image. In this case, a robo-mum to make you all your favorite foods for supper. Or tea, maybe. I don't know how it goes in England. Um, <laughs> anyway, Prog 689 surfs up with an E. Kev Hopgood draws these horsemen riding out from Saitan's base for dry run. I, You know, it's, uh, it's a really good meat alternative, Saitan. Mm. In the nerve center, Tharg announces the release of the 1991 annuals. We'll be t- we talked about the Rogue One last episode, and we'll cover both the 2000 AD and Dread ones next week. There's a picture of a dude being eaten alive by Biowire, I think, or some kind of cyberpunk thing. I mean, he's wired to hell, so I guess... Yeah, who knows? It, it's real good, though. Like, Yeah, no, I like I it. I like it. A L- L- lot of blacks in there. Mm. Um, letters are complimentary and tease the coming of a color 2080 monthly. Ooh, Ooh, what could that be? Then more... Um, more, st- And then a... Uh, there's more compliments for the final solution story, a request for a wrap-up of that dread of that Dan Dare story for Frog 126. What are you what, for real? It's too late, buddy. And a uh, student request to come to 2000 AD for a school's work experience. Well, Sorry, man. Kind of cool to ask, though. It would yeah, it's a cool ask, but listen, the conversion, the temporary conversion process to turn you into a robot just for a week or two for work for work experience is just, you know, it's too extensive. I feel and like. I think it's and I think it's one of these um I don't want to I don't want the I don't want them to see how we live kind of situations as well because I don't think the 2000 office is the I, greatest place. I would want point. my brain in an Adrian Barbeau bot. Of course you would. I know what you're like, buddy. Deep cut. Uh, Deep cut. <laughs> Mid-prog Roxilla, semi-fictional office assistant and music reviewer, has a lot of positive things to say about dance tracks and a lot of negative things to say about bands you've probably heard of. There's a tiny quarter page ad after Medivac with some of the stuff that's supposed to be coming to 2000 AD in 1990. And it seems ambitious because it's July already and like, come on. Um, I'll let you know that while a lot of it does come out in 1990, here's a bunch of stuff that won't come out till later. Okay. Uh, Cola Commandos in 1992. Uh, <laughs> okay. mean, mean Machine, which says rag, uh, Wagner and Ridgeway, which never happens, but Wagner and Dolan have a Mean Machine in 1992 as well. Okay. Uh, Dry Run, we're soaking in it. Indigo Prime, not till 91. Summer Magic 2, 92. And then oh, Below no. Zero, Big Spartan, and Durham Red are all going to be in 91. Oh, wait. I'm excited for Below Zero because I knew that was the hint yeah, of that yeah. next one. I'm, I'm stoked for That's another Zero one. story. And Durham Definitely. Red getting your own thing. That's cool. I also like Big Spartan, Summer Magic 2. I am uh, optimistic, but I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. The prog ends with a darker things to look forward to. In this case, heart attacks at 15. Oh, God. Is this like a Wally reference or something? Well, I mean, no, I mean, no. no because I feel like Wally is like still 20 years away. Yeah, you, this you know comes what out. I mean. 
Foxism. But yeah, just pe- people getting fat and dying of heart attacks younger because of the weird, because of the sad future. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's called delivery, man. They had it back in the 90s. Yeah, that's why the future is going to be even worse or something. I don't know. Yeah, uh, well, Corona, etc. Whoa, Prague 690, Das Boot. Uh, Red and Magruder are headed to MC1 to save the day, maybe, in this Carlos Escara cover. I feel like I feel like a, a crossing the Delaware would have been like a more apt joke. It's, got, it's kind of got that look, but there aren't quite enough people in that bathtub for a full crossing the Delaware uh, <laughs> uh, recap. If, if you put those cadets in there, too, it would be a perfect situation cross, for it. Crossing the underwear? No, that wouldn't have made sense. Could be. Uh, in the nerve center, Tharg shields his non-annual wares, including Revolver, Crisis, Best of 2000 AD, and the new Chopper collection. There's oh, yeah. Stoked. Pictures of Nemesis in shadow and a murderous breakfast of Snap, Kraken, Pop. Uh, oh, my God. He's blowing the brains out of that elf. Yeah. Gotta. No, like Letters literally wa- the brains are shooting. <laughs> That's so yeah, great. I gotta. love this game. Uh, letters want more strontium dog and rogue trooper content plus uh, and then a tharg uh, plugs more collections and stuff uh more things to look um forward to in the back cover here uh away day time travel say hello to mr corn there billy that's genghis khan you know what i'm talking about uh, um <laughs> proc 691 young guns a dead man dread looks shoutily on as these judge cadets start shooting in this Mick Austin cover. Heck yeah. I'm not a it's okay. I'm not a huge fan of covers um that are by other artists, I guess. Like I don't like that this is you know, that this is a Mick Austin cover instead yeah. of a and an a scare one, I guess. I I, um, I feel that. I do like their helmet work, uh, but yeah, none of the characters they look vaguely familiar, but not Yeah, it's not it's quite not, the same, it's not it's know. not stoking you for like the art that you're about to see, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. In the Nerve Center, Tharg is, you know, we're nine issues away, so he's starting the hype train for Prague 700. Uh, comic, that one's coming out soon enough, I guess, maybe two months or so. Cool. Two, three months. The letters page have a lot of questions about dread continuity with Return of Magruder, mm. as well as results for update, um, as requests for updates about various minor characters. It's very long, so there's barely enough space for a Tharg Razor picture, sort of a pinhead so, Tharg so, thing. Like, man, this was before the internet, so like what kids saw like a who was it uh uh clive barker like who saw it like that fucked up clive barker film hellraiser as a child lots of them i think kids I mean, love seeing uh, scary movies and stuff i guess maybe it was like a bigger deal to sneak into this like i saw hellraiser as a kid it was awesome it was uh, there's other clive barker movies prior to hellraiser where you see him kind of building up to this i think this was like his first I mean, directed movie because he had like written the other ones and you could kind of tell that they were he was trying to push the envelope but this one he had kind of like full deal to do and it was yeah and i think i I don't know i feel like hell i feel like hellraiser affected a lot of people i feel like like that that pinhead you know that uh image of pinhead and the cenobites feels pretty like cultural like has a pretty heavy cultural weight my dude cenobites are are the best fucking thing uh, and all of their lines are the best thing, but everything else kind of surrounding the movie feels 
Well, yeah, well, that's whatever. why you don't like go into weird puzzle box mechanics. You just realize <laughs> that they like that 2000 AD likes posting puns. Tharg Razor's pretty solid. You pin head up. That guy is already mostly bald you anyway. Open the you know, easy peasy. We came. Yeah, exactly. Listen, I don't know a lot about that stuff because I'm a real bitch and sort of don't like to be scared. Mm. But, you know, I I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. Not for me. It's the least scary, but I think you would not enjoy this. Listen, I just don't want to go down that path. Ooh. You know. I will protect you and I will tell you don't watch it. Yeah. Speaking of people who are designed to protect people from uh, monstrous beings, Fox. Oh, man. Misguided or otherwise. Thrill 4, Medivac 318. Uh, you know, I, I wish this had a little bit more of the lion share of the Prague. Oh, maybe oh, lions. Maybe chewed off a little more of that Harlem Heroes bit into maybe it. Chewbacca off some. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. No, I'm I'm feeling you on that one. Because <laughs> they're big Chewbaccas. Uh, so Perry, this Lion Man secret agent slash ambassador for the Stellar Federation, slash wearing some fantastic home- earrings from his friend. Yeah, yeah, he's undercover, wearing earrings and stuff. He's on on his home planet Arcturus, looking for a lost agent named Lem, who's a mouseman. Gotta um, gotta be careful not to do his uh, his brainwave talk. No, he's undercover and trying to avoid no- notice, damping down his psychic abilities. Doing a sniff on some blood that he found on the street—that's not safe. Yeah, from the trash Terran embassy, he follows a trail of blood as Daryl, another <clears throat> lionman, Daryl. Heads heads to the Confederation HQ to ransom his hostage, the lost agent, unaware that the Anti-Terran League is watching him. I mean, such a Daryl move, man. Yeah. Well, Daryl, please. <laughs> On Lem's trail, Perry is recognized by a passing Arcturan, one who knew him from long ago, man. calling him a different name. The local, Helver, tries to catch up with Perry, but the Fed agent's being elusive. Man, that feels like a sting right there. You got to get, you got to bug out. Seriously. He tries to brush off the old acquaintance when he hears that, when they hear a gunshot and we see ATL jerks carrying Lem out of Darrell's apartment. Ah, Mouseman. Asking Helver to help out, Perry goes to talk to the ATL guys. They're taking Lem somewhere and Perry ain't having it. Man, this is such the wrong dialogue tree right now. Definitely. Listen, we're like we're we're advancing towards a bad ending here on this particular oh, yeah. game of Mass Effect or whatever. Um, one of the ATL guys guys draws a gun, but Perry breaks that dude's arm and sends them both walking out of here. I mean, he, shit. He goes to a get Lem up and sends him a quick psychic message to play it cool. The whole group heads back into Daryl's apartment where we see he's been killed and Lem seems sorry about the whole thing. I mean. Why? Daryl was a huge dunkus. I, yeah, but you know, I think he just feels bad that someone ha- had to die, you know. Uh, they definitely took advantage of him being the guy who was maybe alive. I don't know. Wouldn't have felt so bad, but would have felt like enough bad. Uh, Perry pr- uh, prepares to call a taxi, but Helvers already calls it in, pulls a gun on Perry because you see they're a cop <laughs> from Genetics Division. Man, I called that so far away because this feels... Definitely. This, this has that same kind of like early 2000 AD feel where it's like, yeah, of course he's a plant. 
Yeah, no, that was definitely a, a good catch about, yeah, like the evil of mutation in here. Because mm. we learned, yeah, that our Turin C psychic powers is evil mutations, and Helver's in charge of rooting them out, and now Perry's as good as dead as more cops arrive. And then, well, I mean, I guess we're about to find out that they also hire psychics, even though they hate them. Uh, yeah. Perry goes to run, but the other cops snag him. There's some back and forth about Perry being a demon and Helver being a madman, but at the end, Perry's taken away. Daryl's girlfriend manages to avoid being arrested for kidnapping and stuff. Okay. And instead actually gets a reward for aiding in the capture of a rogue psychics. I mean, I hope it's enough for a dead liony boyfriend. She yeah, seems fine. Close enough. Lem and Perry are taken to jail and tossed in cells. The interrogator will be at them with them shortly. <laughs> Though outside the cells, Helver asks not to be named interrogator because of his relationship with Perry, but then gets some peer pressure about doing the job. Like what? Like you can't <sighs> interrogate a former friend? You have some sort of sympathy for this monster? I, I feel like he played up the name like, oh yeah, I'm totally, you know. Everyone calls me the interrogator because I totally do some crazy, weird, psycho, sexual or weird shit to break them. And then Whoa. everyone's like, oh, yeah, fucking get in there. But, you know, and then he's yeah. like, well, don't call me that. And also, I'm not going to do that. And then I, it, it just seems like such an odd, like, exchange. I don't know. It well, didn't feel I just think it's that this... I, th I think it is that this guy has some misgivings about doing this full, like, like being responsible for questioning and executing his fr like his former friend. Well, I mean, as opposed to someone else doing it. And also you know. it turns out that he's a psychic, you know? Yeah, that's a whole thing. Um, so the, yeah. Um, and I just want to say these lion dudes have crazy haircuts, Fox. It is very like, hard for me to tell them apart sometimes. Like this lion boss has kind of this crew cut, but like the <laughs> sides of his hair go down to like his chest he's got like a side mullet oh, basically yeah i i liked the guy that died earlier who definitely just had a mullet i was like i know who you are and then he died yeah live it up back on medevac 318 jay perry's psychic agent partners getting an alien makeover to try to pass as non-human oh, god i forgot about that <laughs> so weird then gets Verity to give her a ride down to the planet. There's secret doings a transpiring. <sighs> I, I'm surprised that she didn't give her more shit like, man, this is a dumb thing, you know? Yeah. You know. <laughs> Jay and Ver Verity. <laughs> Love uh, it. Jay and Verity try to sneakily get to an ambulance, but they are caught by Verity's partner, Gib, who seems to have gotten much younger since the last time we saw him. I don't know. Um, Jay doesn't really have a plan for saving Perry. She just can't wait here on the space station. Meanwhile, in Oct on Arcturus, in space jail, Len and Perry converse and wonder about the state of the Arcturan legal system. I Perry's mean, given a good. drug... It's based on a generate on the generate sting, and it's a mind relaxant. Oh, Things get right. wavy as Perry visualizes Jay, and she just says, "Oh, they've already found me." Next time in Medivac three one eight, alarms and excursions, which is a stage direction from Elizabethan drama for soldiers moving across the stage. I, I forgot that she gets a little high, basically. Yeah, she's like, she, she can feel some of the reflected psychic powers sort of through their link, basically. It It's interesting. So I like this kind of like psychic intrigue um, that's going on. I, I just think getting there felt a little bit haphazard. However, I do like the character interplay that eventually happens from it, if that makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. Like it just felt yeah. it, the 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 start felt a little bit rocky, whereas the end feels a lot more interesting. Also, that she puts on a bunch of fucking makeup to try and pretend to be a different race when she clearly looks nothing like these bald people who have maybe some hair, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird thing, but yeah, I think we're gonna like you know. I'm interested where, where the story is gonna well, go. I think we're definitely at a at a cool time for this one. I'm, Although it it should be winding da- winding up pretty soon. I think. I like so far, Medivac has has been interesting and never boring. It yeah. It, it just like I, I don't know. Sometimes it stumbles, and I'm like, all right, like I guess that then, but not not in a bad way. If that makes sense. Yeah, I'm interested to see. I mean, we are very much reaching the end of Hillary Robinson's time in yeah, 2000 AD. So that's also part of why I'm real bummed because yeah. I think Medivac's real good, personally. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, well, it's so good that they decide to take it from her and give it to a different writer, you know? Because that, that's worked so fucking well. That, well, it's right. a whole thing. But anyway, but speaking of uh, new writers, Fox. Oh, oh, right. Let's. Talk about Thrill 5 Dry Run. <sighs> uh, script robot uh, Tice Vahamaji. Art robot Kev Hopgood. Letting robot Yvonne Shivas and Tom Frame. New Thrill. Uh, Kev Hopgood we know from Night Zero, among other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tice Vahamaji is a TV and film historian. Oh, interesting. He- really? His yeah, his big work is his, is this textbook called An Illustrated Guide to British Television. So basically, um, um oh what's that website called? Um like the tropes, TV tropes. So he's the TV, TV tropes tro- before there was TV tropes in a way. I think it might be a little more IMDB than TV tropes, but I haven't read the book. I'm not sure. Oh, it's, oh, um, no, I mean more of just his experience in a way, right? Cuz he's studied it. That's neat. I, yeah, I, think that's I would say he's I would I would say he's a scholar of a, of a film and tel- of a television and film. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he died in 2013, oh. and from his obi- obituary, I found I can figure out pretty much how he got this job, which is that he was good friends with John Brosnan of Night Zero fame, and I could definitely imagine Brosnan sort of both hooking Vahamaji up with Kev Hopgood, the artist, uh. and putting in the good work to 2000 AD editorial to let him have a go at sort of writing a story for 2000 AD, Although this is his only work for the Prague, which might oh. give you some, might be a telling detail about this story. Well, I think the story is the telling detail about this story, but we'll get into that. Not this oh, is. Oh, well, I'm just saying. This is not me. I'm just saying pissing at, on it in a way. As we open the story, that's just some of information course. to know. <laughs> Unsurprised in a way. Dry run. Oof. It's got a logo with kind of an Asian font, a samurai sword, and a rising sun background. So let's see how it goes, I at, guess. At this um, point, I don't really knock that against it. But yeah, there's that. Um, just just you know, saying what I see. After the Fourth World War, a massive solar flare came out and burned off most of the Earth's surface water and destroyed its atmosphere. It's reverse water world, essentially. Okay. <laughs> so not pirates of dark water, but like the horses of riding on sand. And I guess we have enough water. Water. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so uh, humanity survives in ocean basins surrounding the rotted out bones of whales and beach ships, including we see a junk that a bunch of riders with swords are approaching. Man, um, this whole next scene is real good. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, we see inside the boat, a bald dude is auctioning off a woman to a bunch of other guys in robes, but not just any woman, a woman with some kind of treasure map tattooed on her back. Real great MacGuffin in this case. Definitely. I feel like, did that happen in Waterworld 2? Wasn't, didn't that lady have a, tip, have a map tattoo? I forget. Do it's been not, a long time since I've seen Waterworld. Do not remember. Um, the, so... Anyway, blah, 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 yeah. So the writers come in. They've got sweet swords. They make their way onto the junk. They're, they're communicating with weird speech bubbles with interior circles that I believe mean that they may be all psychically linked. Um, the swordsman, led by a new dude named Zale, who's looking very road warrior with his knife-covered football pads and red headband. <laughs> he breaks into the auction and starts killing everybody but like there's through the dude. side of the ship like he just cuts into it it's awesome yeah there's there's dudes and ladies on the team and it's very much your standard like establish the team by kicking ass kind of thing here yeah it's like very it i mean all of them have katanas so i'm pretty into it but also it's real rad. There's so many things I love about this. It feels like the 80s movie that I wanted to see for a long time. <laughs> I mean, there's some mixed in there. I feel like like, like this one lady, Flair, has like two, two swords or something, like two shorter swords. Mm-hmm. And another's got like a big old sword or whatever. Like they've got kind of like your standard sort of here's these different characters, mix of weapons and stuff. Um but so they grab the lady, they take her back to the base of Saitan, which has a lot of juice built into that name, by the way. Um, he's in a big oil derrick and just dudes with a lot of black armor and he's sitting on a sweet dragon-based throne. They prepare to give the tattoo lady to him and he's got a top knot and long fingernails. So I'm sure we can trust this dude. <sighs> just needs some like rings on his fingers and to really not be into Iron Man. Yeah, I go full Ming the Ming. Uh, wait, no, was that was that Ming the, Ming no, the Ming Merciless? Or, I think was is, is Flash Gordon. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, they're basically the same I'm, person. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm thinking of the Mandarin. That's uh, right. Yes. Um, anyway, Saitan's court. In Saitan's court, we see how evil he is because he immediately cuts the map off this girl's back, <sighs> which seems to kill her, and keeps showing it every chance he gets. He's like, "Look at this skin." Wave it the about. F- I mean, really? Yeah. A female member of the group, Flair, draws her sword, but Zale tells her to be cool. And Saitan, who it seems can hear their weird, crinkly word bubbles, has an offer for them. Use the skin map to find an old <laughs> deep sea habitat and bring the folks there to his base to keep the oil derrick's water purifiers running. Yeah, okay. What? Zale says no, but it seems that Saitan has captured three of Zale's group. Who we don't can use them to- see, even though they can telepathic, nope. I guess. Yep, and uses them to send torturous pain to everyone on the team. Apparently, they're oh, psychically the linked to that. That's right. They can feel each other's pain. That's basically. right. That's the proof. I, I yep. completely forgot about that. Yeah, well, listen, there's psychic stuff here. It is not well explained, Fox. I'll tell you that much. Um <laughs> I'm I'm trying to go with it though. They get a portable wa- water filter, and the crew heads out, watched by goons. They've got sixty days to return with the water techs, or they'll be in the world of hurt. It's basically the plot of Fallout One, essentially, because that would get you, you, you oh, have time limit oh, to get a water chip oh, that's and stuff like right. that. Fuck, it's been been a while. It's been so many years. Such a great game. <laughs> yeah, this is a big deal. It seems. Um, or sorry, blah blah blah. Um, 
I went ahead. Yeah. As they go, they hear a cry and lizard men are attacking a covered wagon. And one of them lets out a psychic scream. And that seems to be a big deal as the crew rides in and massacres the mutant and grabs grabs the lady. Luckily, they the were using the correct oil, a la Witcher, etc. Yeah, definitely got those, got those, uh, got those spells in place. Got the auras up. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, they suggest just ditching her here in the middle of nowhere, but Zale takes her, and hopefully, she can be the audience stand-in to explain some of what's going on with this psychic stuff. But doesn't seem like it. <laughs> well, certainly not with next episode. Yeah. Later at a saltwater pool in some caves, the team takes a break. A mysterious hag hand comes out of the seaweed as uh, the seaweed below as lady crew member Flair tries to drown the new blonde lady yeah, Arena, like, who we saw save last Prague. Like for like reasons, I guess. Yeah, she doesn't like her. But as she does this, the monster hand grabs Flair and pulls her down. Both women are then dragged to shore, and a fish monster comes out of the water. Ooh. It says, help me, but then attacks, and Zale takes it out with some sweet spear moves. <laughs> Man. Because well, kind of kind of like the, the last time he done did a... Well, I guess they... Did they kill him with spears? No, they just rode around on horses and slashed him. That's right. Yeah. Um, the monster rises, removes the spear from its chest, is like, you're a jerk, and then walks off. <laughs> that's how we, uh, that's how we deal with, uh, spears to our chest, Conrad. I mean, when you, you don't want to fight, you're just like, listen, I wanted help, and you stabbed me, and that's not cool. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Later, they're moving over the spear, over the seabed when they're attacked by a bunch of dudes, or at least they spot a bunch of dudes, but they're already dead, partially skeletonized and drained of all liquid. Oh, no. Gotta, I mean, you know, there's not so much liquid here. I feel like that's not surprising in a way. Yeah. Double oh, no, because it was done by floating murder jellyfish. <laughs> One of the crew gets taken by a jelly and skeletonized, but I guess he wasn't part of the psychic link because no one of the rest of the team feels this happen. I'm not sure what the rules are. The rest can I look on in horror, and then Zane Mercy kills him, which again, nobody can feel. I mean, cut his head off, you know? Yeah, pretty cool. Feels. I mean, I just, I'm saying maybe that would hurt a little bit, or maybe not. Maybe you just severed it right at the thing that makes you feel feelings. Who's to say? A few days later, they arrive at the deep sea habitat. This is going real fast. But the place they arrive at is quiet as a grave. They need to find a technician to bring back to Saitan. There's nobody around. What is around, though, is a random bottomless pit, which Flair tosses Arena into, as you do. Oh, man. I just... The crew... Yeah. (laughs) The crew comes running as they hear her screams, but it seems like she's gone forever. Dang, we just met her. As the crew leaves the habitat, Zale senses something, but not soon enough, as they're caught in nets by a bunch of gladiator types. <sighs> but like the kinds that would definitely have like a net and a sword and a, a tiny shield, like they literally look like gladiators. Well, oh yeah, they're, like they're wearing Mermillo helmets, but they're many of them are armed like like Ristari who have uh, uh, nets and tridents, although some of them have nets and serrated swords as well. There's some anachronistic gladiator work I mean, going on listen, here, Fox. Listen, Mr. Fucking History Degree. I see you. That's right. I see you flexing, and I appreciate it. History Degree, big fan of Spartacus on stars. A lot of stuff giving me gladiator knowledge, Fox. Listen, Spartacus is show. less about gladiators and more about me watching 
dudes. <laughs> Listen, there's something for every. Listen, there's something for all likes and interests on Spark. All I'm saying all right? is that when you when you offer me a a a, 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 a meat platter, and I'm like, well, uh, do you have some vegetables? And they're like, I mean, we do, but here's all of this. I'm like, well, all right. That's what it's going to be Bro, tonight. No, no, I got to push back. I got to push back because listen, as much as as there as there is dude on display in Spartacus, like there like Xena gets naked and makes out with chicks oh, on yeah. Spartacus as well. Like there's ladies on there. I'm just right? saying what I appreciate is it's it's a know, good show. That's well, there's that, but also, you know, Dude, it's my, dude it's my favorite TV show, Fox. Dude, I, I enjoy. I, I love Spartacus. Dude forward, um, as anyway. opposed to boob forward, if that makes sense. Oh, well, sure. I'm, I'm into that. Listen, I'm tired of exploiting women at this point, Fox. It's 2020. I want to exploit some dudes. I want to dude exploitation. Exploit some vaccines. Anyway, let's do it. And hey, speaking of uh, saying what we like and didn't like, Fox, I demand to know what your top and bottom thrills are. Oh Jesus H. So I have a thing to say. It's a very important thing to say, which is about Dry Run. Um, mm-hmm. Dry Run feels like um, it feels like Escape from New York meets not Yojimbo, but you kind of get the same vein. However, someone mm-hmm. said, man, but I really loved The Postman. And everyone looked at them and said, but it's The Postman. Are you sure you want to make that like one of the crux uh, kind of cornerstones? They're like, oh, yeah. I love The Postman. <laughs> this is watching The Postman, but there's all this cool shit inside of it, but it makes you feel weird, like, reading it, and it is my special mention. It gets a little special star next to it. It's not top, it's not bottom, but man, oh man, it makes me feel weird, but not, not like, there's a problem, but there might be a problem, but maybe there's no problem, but also, I mean, that was The Postman. Uh, so for top, uh... I would have said slain, and I should, I want to caveat, say slain because it, mm-hmm. of how beautiful it is. However, and as I as I told you kind of at the top, I love this like four kids as, as not full judges kind of motif. Uh, mm-hmm. I would love reading this comic. Um, it, it gives me like a better Titans vibe because it's got that like undercurrent of... Uh, fascism, which sounds horrible when I say it. I love. I mean, I love you know, Judge Dredd. I, I love a... these characters and their interplay. I guess, even though it's kind of surface level most of the time, which is arguably most of Teen Titans. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't want to say like 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 I haven't I haven't read enough Teen Titans. I feel like to be able to to be like because I would love to make a a a pithy witticism and say. Let's not underestimate the level of fascism in Teen Titans. Well, but I don't quite know enough fair. for that. Uh, my thing is, is that if they made this a little bit more Runaways, but not the premise of Runaways, obviously, uh, the characters and then in this setting, I would love it, especially led by Giant. It would be mm-hmm. fucking amazing. I loved all of this. And I, I loved how Giant worked with the crew and how you sort of get revealed to everybody's character and that they are still fucking kids, that they haven't been fully indoctrinated, you know? Loved it. Yeah. Uh, for my bottom, fuck, it's Harlem Heroes, man. Uh, 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 what? Wait, wait, what? Yeah. What is all I can say. And Conrad, I don't want to talk about Harlem Heroes. It confused me, and I wanted the goat to be a goat man. I guess he is, but he's not. 
and I, I, I don't know which plots they're going to drop next, but they're going to drop one of these. Um, <laughs> and so I don't care. And so Conrad, what are your top and bottom? I, oh, bot- I bottom Harlem heroes, buddy. <laughs> Always 100%. I've, I've made my stance very clear here. Although I will say, mm-hmm. all right, dry run, buddy, you are like, uh, uh, like little, little behind the scenes, Fox. Like okay. Prague Seven Hundred is going to be a jumping on Prague. All right. Mm-hmm. So everything, like no matter what happens, everything we're reading now has a hard end date <sighs> of two no. of like next episode <sighs> and the episode after that. Basically, like eight, like the most anything can last that we're reading right now is eight more Prague. So it is the Postman. Um, Got it. Because of that, I'm going to need an info dump in Dry Run next episode. I need to be told what is going on with the psychic stuff. <laughs> I need to know what the deal with it is. I need to be told right – like, we're, we're, we're past time to do it, for the record. Oh, yeah. Um, no, we're four frogs in, and they know. I will say what I think is very funny or what I think is interesting about Dry Run and 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 Night Zero is very similar to this is that this feels like these sort of scholars of film and movie and movies and like this kind of storytelling coming to a comic. They've clearly got a formula Mm. they're working of they're they're working from and putting that into a comic. And quite literally, none of us know what the fuck's going on most of the time. Well, I mean, the formula, I mean, you can see a script writing formula yeah. in dry run pretty clearly, like I, I would say, of the like establish the world, establish something that needs to be done, give it a hard time limit, establish consequences for if the characters don't accomplish their task. Um <laughs> Put an odd, you know, add in an audience insert character very mm. early on. Like, you know, go to a couple locations and meet various fight and and, and have various consequences along the way. At least one out of nowhere twist, like the uh, like the gladiators Build at up the end. Like the, ability, you know, like. If we're comparing um, Dry Run to Night Zero, like the gladiators at the end of this part of Dry Run are very similar to that gang of knights, it, you know, to the Renfair Furies God, I, in, in Night Zero, I for so instance. I so agree. Like the biggest problem about all of this is that at least in The Postman, there's an arc for that character, you know? Not seeing that for, sure. for Zane or whatever. Zell, Zill, Zuby. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a different kind of thing. I think Zale is much more road warrior than Postman, for the record. Strong agree um, on that. Just because a lot of the Postman has to do with, like, the concept of enduring symbols within a culture and stuff like that, mm. I guess. Which I don't think we're seeing a lot of in Dry Run, which sort of makes them very different for me. I, when I reference the um, Postman, I mostly mean that... As much as you can be heady about The Postman, The Postman is a horrible film, but has a lot of interesting shit going on in it that never really connects. That's sure, me. but I mean, honestly, there there's lots of post-apocalyptic movies like that. Like, I think that's a pretty common thing for the genre, actually. <sighs> Strong um, agree. I mean, all the but Terminator so, movies. Yeah. Or just any, like, a lot of, like, actually, like, like specifically, I'm thinking, like, like low-budget, like post-apocalyptic movies oh, like often Death made and things like that. in australia or new zealand like a shout out to uh to to, to peter from where he goes dare suggested death truck to me and stuff like oh, that is like, that a real movie 
Yeah, it's like a New Zealand, like, like a post-apocalyptic war movie. It's death truck or battle truck. So something, some kind of post-apocalyptic truck. Is it truck record death truck? Could be. We talked about it on a, no, this is like from the 70s. Um, anyway, so yeah, Harlem Heroes, bottom. Look it up after the show, buddy. Oh, Keep sorry, sorry. I'm getting excited. That's all, that's all. Um, um, but, uh, um. Yeah, Harlem Heroes Bottom, dry run on notice. For my top, I'll happily take Slaying the Horn God and just sort of awesome. balance you out, my you, friend. You um, must. You must do it. Like, these battle scenes is really what we've been building up to mm. for the first two parts of the Horn God. So I appreciate them getting the recap out of the way and then just jumping right into action at the start of this, uh, at the start of this story. It's really awesome. And like you said, just the emotional stuff between Slain and uh, knee before she gets executed uh, are, yeah. is really is really heartbreaking and affecting and really kind of gives you a, the whole spectrum of emotion in the course of these four issues i still love that that echo like uh frame where he's just going insane oh, yeah. when he's kind of like there's just so much detail in all of it uh you know i say this a lot and obviously it's kind of a, a joke but like too many words uh, like I'm reading a comic book. I am a okay with words, but like that whole read of Slain was so enjoyable and easy. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like it was a good amount of words. Exactly. Well, so that's sort of what I mean is like, I, I didn't need them, but I wanted to read them. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like there was sort of some specific stuff in there, but this is a, this is a moot point. I feel like, sure. yeah, uh, Slain's my top. Good times. <laughs> Ooh, All right. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacebin2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacebin2000 at gmail.com. On the 2084, observe our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter page, on Twitter at spacebinner 2 k For everything else, go to spacebin2000. You find, should... We should be there. And if you really like the show and want to support us, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Cradleline. That's our podcast network. Hey, come on. Help help a Conrad boy out. Come on over there. Check her out. Yeah, There's some got, cool stuff. Definitely. We got a, a variety of rewards for a variety of, uh, of budgets. Anything from just my written uh, show notes, which are often like, you know, oh, eight, they're, to, they're eight to 11 pages long. Pages. A thousand depending Jesus. Depending on the show. Um, we've got a, a, a show where I'm going over modern 2000 AD, which would have about a dozen episodes by the time uh, this show goes live. Also, uh, Q&As with your boys, Conrad and Fox. Hey, Q&As hey. once a month. Good times. And, um, you know, and all kinds of other stuff, honestly. Like, listen, come on by, uh, uh, see what's there. I think you'll be very interested. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, advanced issue, advanced episodes and stuff. Episodes coming out before they're released to the general public. If you were a Patreon member, you'd have heard this episode back in mid-August as opposed to in late September when it's actually coming out. Oh, you know, Lord. think about the time travel at the dang, very least. Dang. Yeah. So anyway, just saying that, uh, then join us next time as we uh, take a take a quick break and talk about the 1991 2000 AD and Judge Dredd annuals. Um, 
These annuals do have some interesting news stories, including the famous Johnny uh, uh, Judge Dredd, Johnny Alpha crossover story. But, you know, there's also the same amount of reprints, tech stories, and ultra filler. And I will say, this is the last year of annuals. After this, we're going to have yearbooks for a couple years, but it's still an exciting time of change and development within this here comic. I was voted least likely to enjoy words. Listen, there's going to be some words. And uh, and then we'll see you. The, and then we'll be back for the week after that with more prog action. Listen, I don't I don't do a big hype up here. All right. Necropolis, the Horn God, Medivac. It's good stuff. Harlem Heroes Dry Run. There's other stuff as well. But I hope you'll be there with us. And until then, I'm Conrad East Fox. And we are Space Spinner 2000. Uh, Splug Dig 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 D